The year is 1826. New tech unlocked. Create a lifelike image of something and reproduce it. This unassuming novelty disrupts our one-to-one -one relationship between the object and its representations. You no longer have to visit your auntie to see her face, and soon it would become cheap to print a thousand aunties. The camera is unique in its accuracy of representation, but this is an illusion. If the camera had a will, it would strain with all of its clockwork at the hands of the photographer to get the subject, but it always comes short of the truth of the subject. The illusion of reality is a fundamental truth of photography. Everyone's seen the comparison of left and right media outlets reporting the Trump inauguration. Lo-fi trends seem to contend with this too, and throughout the history of photography, there have been parallel lines of inquiry in abstract photography and photo manipulation. Presenting a photograph as the truth would be dishonest. The photo is only ever a tiny slice of the real world. They are fragile artifacts. A caption can swing the meaning of a photo drastically to opposite extremes. The content of a photo is vulnerable to cropping, misreproduction, misunderstandings, context, and most importantly, who clicked the shutter. These are some of the tools available to the photographer. The work of a photographer is fragmented across time and space. There's the seeing and maybe setting up of an image, then the capture itself, the selection of photos, and finally the finishing, printing, framing, or publishing. It is true that anyone with a camera can produce an amazing image, but there is a definite technical aspect to taking photos. For example, knowing how shutter speeds and apertures work can get you results closer to what you're trying to express. As a mode of communication, the initial impression of the photograph is as a record. It proves that something happened. Of course, we can never escape the context, expression and emotion of an image, intentional or otherwise. In this mode of photo as proof of existence, it's at the point of seeing that the viewer imposes their values and feelings onto the image. People are painfully aware of how accurate photos are. There are apps to manipulate your image to make you look hotter, your mate catches a dumb expression on your face in a picture, and even though you probably couldn't recreate the face, you have to agree that it is you. There's so much to photography. It's impossible to capture everything in the scope of this podcast. We've narrowed our discussion to just a few key concerns. Topics like abstract photography and Instagram photography deserve their own episodes. When I was three years old, I uh, begged for a camera from my parents and they got me one for my birthday. And I was looking at some of those early photos today from about when I was like seven or eight. And um, I used to take the camera into school. And you can see I was already keen on something about what we're going to talk about today. I was taking pictures of my friends and um, alongside those are pictures like uh, like images, you know, art or something. Um, I think I was keen from a young age. And what about you? Yeah, I've pretty much never really liked taking pictures or having my picture taken. Um, it was funny though, uh, my roommate and I were walking home last night and the Apple Year in Review just like started playing itself in my pocket. And we were standing at the lights waiting for it to turn green. And we just like watched it and watched all these nice memories. And like you were in there and he was in there. And my family was in there, and, like a bunch of the things I've cooked. And it was like a nice reminder that, you know, photos are really nice. And I was like, damn, I got to take more of these. Um, and also like when we talk about photos in galleries, I think it's the most difficult medium for me to feel comfortable with and for me to get. Um, and I think we're going to talk about why we think that might be uh, in the episode.
All right, let's go. G'day, welcome to Hung Up. I'm Aiden. And I'm Matt. This week we're talking about photography. We've done so much homework for this episode, like two times the normal amount of homework. Yeah, like we felt like we had to. Yeah, it's true. It's uh, it's turned out to be like kind of a, like a, yeah, it's a bigger topic than we thought, even though we're narrowing it down for one. Mm-hmm. Um, and also like, I realized that it might be my favorite like art form <laughs> in huh. this process. Cool. But like, cool. yeah, we'll, we'll just, we'll see where we end up. In the process of like doing the lead up work for this um, episode, just talking back and forth and kind of, you know, pushing each other on what we actually think and what is actually true about photos and different forms of art. Um, we kept coming back to this kind of idea of like when the work of a photograph happens yeah, um, and how like compared to any other form, there really is like no barrier to entry. Like that's to say that, well, I'll, I'll give you an example. Like I was thinking about it this morning. I was like sitting on my, my balcony eating a passion fruit in the sun and it was mm. lovely. Mm. And I cut this passion fruit open and I was just like amazed at how complex it was. Mm. Like it had so many colors and it had such like interesting weight and like just around mm. the perimeter. So like in the center, it's got all these like bursting kind of gold and yellow uh, seeds or they're black seeds in this kind of gold and yellow. Like, what do you call it? It's like a membrane. It's mm. just a, such a wild fruit. And I had been writing a poem uh, like half an hour before and I was thinking about how hard it would be to describe and like you know capture this Mm. passion fruit well Mm. in a poem Mm. but then I thought hey I could just take a photo of this and I would like have it in some sense like I would have captured it in some sense Mm. and I could send that right to you um and that kind of just yeah that was like this kind of burning unresolved tension Mm. um that I yeah it was I thought it was a nice moment but it was you know speaking to this question that we've keep we've kept coming back to and maybe that's what attracted me to photography initially. I, I, I really don't remember um, this kind of like uh, easy, easy reference to such a complex object, you know, or, or, or scene or, or anything um, later on and and pretty much infinitely reproducible, right? Like you can just print that photo out a thousand times. You could like share it on the internet, whatever. Um, and then, you know, I think that the, the power of that, which which was like the, the, the big disruptive thing about photography when it was invented, the power of this like reproduction, um, it kind of dwarfs a lot of the other work that photographers do. Um, mm. there's, there's a whole lot of work that a photographer does after the photo has been taken uh, to get it to you in the end. If you look at like a more serious, like gallerist kind of photographer, they might spend like, um, this is a very traditional, like especially European way of working, but they might spend like, let's say six months on location in Southern France, for example. And then they come back and them and their editor will go through thousands and thousands and thousands of photos. And, and I think this is a really important part of photography um, that doesn't really get discussed is selection, like editing your photos as in, uh, not manipulating them, but choosing the the photos that say what you're trying to say or that that do what you're trying to do. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I think that that's uh, that accounts for as much uh, skill and like complexity to me as the the moment of of capture as well. Yeah, for sure. And then like like by analogy with poetry, for me, it's always like 
the that process is even harder mm, than the initial yeah. like you're creating the slab of stone or whatever and then you yeah. actually have to carve it into something cool <laughs> like that that's so much more painful and complex and yeah and, totally and the thing is with um with photos like um i remember my mom telling me this one time that mm. um like she just happened to know that like photo competitions you, you have you ever seen a photo competition like there's a bunch like yeah, going right. in australia at any one time yeah. but basically sure. like you and ten thousand other people with a camera submit like maybe one or two or three photos to a panel of judges and they they judge the photo they judge like they look at all the photos usually um but the way they judge the photos is they like fly through them they you know they like they snap like through you know hundreds and hundreds every hour because like you know i think i think what she meant by that was that you know you can take in a whole photo right away whereas a poem you got to go line by line or, or it feels like you you know you have to read every word of it right yeah so to like jump off that point um I've been thinking about like why why sometimes people feel photos are particularly like slippery or difficult as an art form, yeah. Yeah, as an art form compared to kind of anything else, and I'm I'm kind of feeling like like what you just said resonates pretty strongly with me that the fact that you can uh you know get or you feel like you can perceive all of an image instantly um mm. kind of gives me this almost like empty like huh what else is there feeling mm, yeah whereas like i'm listening to an album and it's kind of slowly revealing itself to me mm. uh or i'm standing in front of a painting and i'm just kind of naturally whether it's fair or not giving it more respect i'm like mm. i know that i can't like you know take in a photo in one look you know what mm. i mean um mm. especially now when we're talking about like representational photography like if we, we were looking at some right. of justine varga's uh, yeah. photos that are kind of super experimental like yeah. heavily edited kind of images of i think like the film itself yeah and that's like a very expanded uh photo like photo practice and that kind of doesn't give you this feeling but especially when i can recognize things in the image mm. it's hard not to have that kind of like more um like very practical classification brain on mm. this is something that we sort of um we kind of wrestled with before like slip Slippery is a good word for it. Um, photos, I mean, we were kind of racking our memories, trying to think like of what photo shows we've seen, like where it was just a photographer or, or you know, photographs in the gallery. And it was like really hard. I mean, again, we don't really seek out anything in particular when we go and, you know, or when we choose galleries to go and look at. But it seemed like from our sort of very like average uh, scatter plot um you know, approach to galleries in Sydney. It seems like photos are underrepresented, right? Oh, for sure, yeah. Yeah. Maybe that that is one thing that has to do with it. Um, I think photography has always been, uh, you know, it's, it's entirely new in comparison to a lot of the other, like, traditional art forms, like painting or, you know, sculpture or whatever, poetry. Mm -hmm. um, and... Do you know what? I think we've we've probably seen as many like video screens as we have seen photos. Yeah, more. Um, just yeah, maybe more. Um, just as an aside, I think like just to go back to the kind of like this sort of time question. Like, I think um, like we 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 promised we wouldn't talk about Roland Barthes, but I think I just want to like bring up something that he like kind of <laughs> talks about a little bit. All right, I'll allow it. So he like he he kind of like uh, spoke uh, in his book. Uh, camera lucida about like an interesting kind of experience you can have with a photograph which is like you, 
and like I won't even use his language with it, but just like his ideas, like you can you can either get like stung by a, a, a thing in a photograph, or you can like you can find yourself almost like pouring over it or like um looking for something. You know, you can either reach into it or it can reach out to you. Was kind of the the, the categorization that he was using. M- my favorite photos, it's got it's got both, or it's got like very strongly one or the other. Um, you know, something will grab me and then it'll have like one, two, three, four more beats of like recognition or like surprise or something when you like roam around the photo. Once you've sort of accepted it into your sort of field, into like, you know, your, your, your uh, visual kind of parts of your brain are kind of Mm. like, maybe like there's a, there's a couple of different parts of your brain, you know, at once it's like the kind of like lightning reflex part, like, is it a predator kind of brain? And then there's like the kind of like, you know, weaver's brain, like, I'm just going to look over Mm. the surface of this as, as an object or as a, you know, even just as a shape. That's a really good point. And I've seen you do that a bunch of times. I thought it would be interesting because like a couple episodes ago or even last episode, I don't remember, we were kind of talking about like the skills that allow you to enjoy art. And I really enjoyed like uh, mm. having that conversation. And I guess I wanted to ask you, is there any kind of specific skills um, that have helped you to like see photos in that way, to, to step mm. away from that kind of instant, I recognize this, mm. like this very kind of human, you know, shapes and forms and, yeah. and identifiable objects and yeah. allowing yourself into that more kind of like emotional, mm. uh, kind of curious space. Hmm. Yeah, I think like for one, just just carrying a camera around um, for you know long stretches of my life with me um, has kind of helped me um, practice that looking, that type of looking, mm. uh, even when it's not in my hand. Sure. Um, so so that's one thing. Um, last night we were just going almost like as a practice run. We were like looking at some Eggleston photographs. Um, and like we we both zoned in on the one with these uh, tomatoes on the sink, and you're like, it's just tomatoes, like and like yeah, I get it, it's a retro sink, like you know, it's it's minty blue, whatever. And I my sort of like reading of it to you over the phone, it kind of sounded like um, I don't know if you've ever done one of these drawing lessons where it's like, don't draw a person, like draw the shapes that make up the person. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Yeah. So that kind of like that kind of looking, especially when there's a a, a good image maker, a good photographer to like hold your hand through it. Um, it, it becomes easier and easier the more you practice it. And like, mm. I think um, Eggleston's a good example because like so many of his photos are like just these kind of boring scenes where mm. like there may be like a, a bit of a subject, like we could say the tomatoes are a bit of a subject, but it's just so, f- it's so f- sort of, uh, he used this word himself, democratic in terms of like, you know, everything is kind of photographable in yeah. that, like, you know, it, it all kind of can contribute to this sort of, this, he, he makes these funny, like, medleys of photos, like, there's just, you know. Totally. Like, but there is also, like, in that, like, you can call it democratic, and, and that is that is cool and true. But don't mm. you think there's also, like, a type of, like, <sighs> raising up of that stuff? Like, once you photograph it, and once you print it nicely, like, even just you know, that is an image that he has captured and then that he has, or or whatever, like poured yeah. over it and just des- decided on. And there's yeah. always this element to me of like honoring the like mundane or the everyday and kind mm. of making it like holy or something. Hmm. Yeah. Photos do kind of take on a, a bit of a, a holiness. I think like a, a lot of people really like the f- effect that film 
like 35 mil film, for example, gives to a photo? Because I, I think it kind of has something to do with like a, yeah, like a vaunted, like a holy, a mm. kind of scarceness or something. The, yeah. the moment seems more scarce like that. For sure. Yeah. Um, I, I think for me anyway, like a, as a photographer, I... I don't necessarily want to think of it as holy. Like I, I want to think of it as like the frame, like, you know, I, I just want to think in terms of that, like rectangle or the square and like that I'm pulling that out of the little splinter that I caught, you know, in time and space. Like I just want to sort of set it aside to look at it again or to show someone. Yeah. Cool. Um, and then awesome. like, you know, whether it ends up being holy, like that's out of my hands, I think. Yeah, for sure. Agreed. The death of the author to bring it back to uh, Mr. Bart. Um, <laughs> you got me again, Mr. Bart. <laughs> you got, yeah, you got yourself, boyo. All right, cool, man. I thought that was uh, really nice. Like that was useful for me to hear as well because it's kind of something that I want to get better at doing. And I think mm. that that idea of yeah, breaking breaking free of the like potential restrictions of that classification brain and into mm. seeing like forms and shapes and composition mm. um it is harder for me when things are not abstracted yeah one more thing i want to say about this is that like you know for our like uh we we, we, we in the intro i kind of outlined the like two big um branches of photography it's like the documentation versus the like image making photography you know for, for most people and and also for like probably most of our daily lives unless you're really in the thick of it um, we see photos where there is a, a big, clear subject, you know, right in the middle of it. Mm -hmm. um, and you mean and th you're talking about like the documentation mode? Yeah, and like I think yeah. you know we're we're sort of like we've kind of been trained uh, to associate the two together. Like when there's a frame, there's a big, important, like capital I, important subject in the middle. You know mm -hmm. that that like the photo is of right. Yes. Like, yes. Exactly. Whereas like yeah, I think the other thing that like is is so interesting and and, and like so possible and and exciting with photos is that like subjectless kind of scene or like you know mm. the the composition. I guess I'm talking about. Yeah, for sure, man. I think that's a really, a really nice and useful framework. And it's important to like, there's not, there's no other form where we're kind of bombarded with this, like, less artful version of it. So often, right, right, you know what right. I mean? Like, we're constantly yeah. bombarded with, you know, non, you know, these are images that have in inherently composition and color mm. and you know if you take them a certain way like an ad can be beautiful or artful mm. but we are you know so often seeing images that are purely functional like here's what a here's what my kid looks like you know here's like a receipt for later or whatever you know um so i definitely think it's it's interesting to consider how seeing so many kind of practical or boring or like necessary images has mm. impacted you know, what we take when we see any photo and, and maybe why that has, has made photo more difficult for some people. Mm. Um, Interesting. Yeah, I guess we kind of picked out a photo of yours to, to discuss. I think that would be like, now would be a cool moment to, to talk about that. It's funny, like uh, many photographers, I've kept just about everything I've ever taken. Yeah. Um, but I did have a couple of like big holes in the uh, in the archive. Like there's a hard drive that I lost at some stage, which had a whole bunch of like pretty special to me photos, more of the documentary kind of photos um, of yeah. like trips and like friends in high school and stuff, which sucks. But, you know, that's just this is what happens. Mm -hmm. um, but whether whether like archive picks up again is like when I start working at a photo shop in like. Uh, at the end of high school and like through my like uni years 
Um, and I had uh, gotten a secondhand digital camera. I really liked it. It was a cute little Fujifilm thing, uh, Fuji X100 for the photo docs out there. <laughs> um, and I, on my lunch breaks, I would just like go around snapping photos. I think I may have seen something uh, like the Vivian Maya documentary online, or maybe I just heard about her on like Tumblr or something. Um, but yeah, I, I um, was just taking photos of like the crowds and the people in Crow's Nest where I, where I worked um, and doing, trying to like practicing my like looking and image making stuff. I only selected it uh, in that kind of like uh, that sort of flip side of the capture editor kind of two two jobs that a photographer has. Yeah. I only selected it uh, today. At the time, I was like, oops, you know. Um, and what it is, is it's um, me like sort of walking past this like small, uh, I think it was a mom pushing her baby on the pram and she had the dog going as well. Like, mm-hmm. um, And in the right in the foreground, slightly out of focus, is this um, cute little like sort of fluffy white dog um, mid jump just down like four <laughs> inches of down four inches of pavement and then there's the baby like kind of in the same jump but like sort of doing other baby stuff like you can see three limbs like sticking out of this pram in a funny funny sort of like jaunty like cute yeah. baby gesture yeah um and it's the whole photo is on a tilt because i um i had the camera like down at my waist when i took this yeah um, cool. actually i wasn't looking through the viewfinder when i took this it was just like you know shooting from the hip kind of thing yeah um, and yeah, it's funny. Like it really, I really like this photo today at the time. I, I just, I, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'll say this, like, I'm just glad that I didn't delete it. Cause I probably <laughs> deleted a lot of photos. Yeah. It's great. It's cool. I mean, I'm looking at it and now, and there's all these like wonderful, it's kind of nice and it's super local. Like there's mm. this big kind of like warehousey, like orange brick, like, I guess, where mm. was this? This was in Crow's Nest, like North Sydney. Yeah, right. And it's got like all these cool textures. Like you've got, what? it's like a the fuzzy white, like tight curls of the dog. Mm. And it's got these mm. big floppy ears. Mm. And then there's like uh, the kind of like mottled concrete and mm. then the kind of like patched up tar. And then there's this yeah. like kind of silver grate in the background. Yeah. It's almost like musical. And then yeah. on the pram, there's like a little blanket that's like obscuring parts of the baby. Yeah. And then like a plastic like cover, I guess, which is for like the yeah. sun or something. Yeah, and I'm really yeah. like noticing all these like wonderful textures. Yeah, uh, like this kind of brutal street stuff. There's like a big mm. fucking SUV and like a bin mm. with graffiti on it, and then like yeah. the softest, softest, like cutest, most precious, like turned in baby limbs, and it's kind yeah. of tiny toes, and its hand is stretched out in this like yeah, just essential baby kind of quality that he's doing that thing or the baby's doing that thing where it like grabs its own foot. Like its yeah, legs are so totally, bendy yeah. that it kind of like <laughs> yeah. bends and grabs its own foot. Yeah, yeah. But it's such a, I, I, you sent it to me and I kind of waited for it to pop up in our like notes, our shared notes thing. And I just mm. instantly loved it. So mm, cool. it's really cool. Yeah. yeah, I'm glad you like it too. I, there's something about it that's just, it's really sticky. I also, yeah. I just noticed talking about it now that everything, that everything's in threes, like just about like, there's kind of three shapes in the driveway. There's like the bin, the car, and another car. There's mm-hmm. like three baby limbs, and there's three like pram wheels, and there's three yeah. dog legs. Like, mm. yeah, it's 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 a great photo. It's it's very like uh, unlikely and and unexpected um, to find it like this. You know, I mean, th- when was this taken? Like 2015, I think something like that. Yeah, it's hilarious. Yeah, awesome, man. Yeah, and there is a, actually a moment like uh, this kind of funny, uncanny kind of silliness, but then this very. Um, 
I guess, like, genuine kind of suburban life element. Mm, yeah, yeah. It's cool, man. Good stuff. Good job. Thanks. And, I, and yeah. I, like, I, I get, especially thought it was cool, like, to think about, yeah, that it was taken so long ago and only mm. just, that's like, you know, it's like turning an old note into a poem, like, six, mm. seven years later or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting to think about the lifespan of a work like that because yeah. I don't know if that would hold true for other forms, you know, whether you could yeah, just kind know. of... Yeah you pick it up and, and quote, like finish off the job. Yeah. So such a long time later. Sure. I think for, for me, like, um, like speaking m musically for a second, like, I feel like if I listened to something that I recorded this long, like what was it? Seven <laughs> yeah. years ago, yeah. I would be like, you suck, you know, your voice yeah. is out of tune and you can't play yeah. guitar yet. Like kind of thing. But yeah. I think with, with this, it's like, I, I, you know, I, I maybe I've become a better photographer, but I think I've definitely become a better selector of photos. Mm, and like, that's, mm. that's what's at play here. For sure. And I guess like looping back to that instantaneousness of photography, like photos, like everyone, like there's some beautiful photos that I've seen, like just like family photos that were complete accidents. And that mm, seems cool. kind of unique to photography that you can have like a happy accident. You can have an unskilled practitioner, like almost accidentally create something very powerful. Aiden, what's your Instagram consumption at right now? What's your hours? 10 minutes per day. 10 minutes per day, that's pretty good. Mine is one hour plus the 15 minute snooze uh, like three or four times. <laughs> so two hours. I have plenty um, of other max. shit to waste my, I have plenty of other shit to waste my time on. I think I spend like an hour in bed just browsing the web in the morning. But yeah, not on Instagram. I don't um, even have the app. I have to like go through the browser, which like yeah. creates some funny, like there was actually this weird moment where if I was watching a story, like a series of stories on the browser on the web, mm. the audio from the first story would keep playing through all of the next of the stories, like <laughs> slowed down and like chopped and screwed. And uh, even when you close the story, it would keep playing. That's so funny. And I actually really like that. Like the reason that I have them as browser apps instead of the actual app is kind of to intentionally introduce those moments of friction. And it yeah. kind of creates like a interesting, uh, what would you call it? Like it, it breaks the app in ways that the developers would not be happy with or the, the managers would not be happy with. Yeah, well, they, they, they want you to download the app, but they're not yeah. going to get me. <laughs> not this podcaster. <laughs> So yeah, we're we're kind of ruled. We're like some of us, uh, not Aiden. We're ruled <laughs> by this world of images. This like endless fucking stream of images. Like you know what I mean. That some of them are photos. Some of them are other stuff. Um, there's a lot of manipulated photos. Um, mm. I think we read in this article um, that we're about to bring up. It's something like what was it, dude? Like a, a million photos are uploaded, uploaded just to Flickr every day, something like that, right? Something stupid, yeah. Yeah, and then like you know, Instagram is probably ten times that, you know, easily. Um, so I think like one of the big challenges or questions for artists, uh, for photo artists in this century, is um, 
you know, how, how do we deal with that? Or like, how do you come to terms with that? Or, or mm. how does that figure into your practice? Because I still see a lot of people like basically practicing photography as if it was 1970. Like, yes, yeah. there might be a smartphone in the odd photo, but like, aside from that, it's like, what's, you know, c- can you see a difference? So we, we read this article by Teju Cole, who's a writer and a photographer. Um, he's got an article, uh, a column at the New York Times called On Photography. Um, and he brings up some of this stuff. Um, he's got this thing in his article about um, it's become hard to stand still wrapped in the glory of a single image. Uh, as the original viewers of old paintings used to do. The flood of images has increased our access to wonders and at the same time lessened our sense of wonder. Yeah, I mean, I think that speaks to what we were talking about earlier about, you know, external kind of visual culture stuff, Hmm. um, like fundamentally changing our relationship with all images and, you know, how we can't help but pass the images we see through um, the filter, the language, um, you know, the relationship that we've built Hmm. with this kind of immensity of imagery. um, Hmm. And that especially like, that kind of plays in and out of the platform, you know, like our experiences Mm. with photos on Instagram, Mm. you know, which is most of our images and we're not going to talk about it, but there's a really cool Genevieve Felix uh, Reynolds uh, article. She's a local artist um, where she talks about, you know, I, at the end of her essay, she says, I understand that, you know, most people will see my images on on a phone, on like a small Mm. black screen, static and flattened. And I think it is a really interesting and important point. And like, as this conversation has gone on, I'm kind of feeling like this motivation to invest in redefining that way of seeing, Um, Hmm. you know, like on my own terms rather than Hmm. on the terms that have been dictated by me, uh, Mm. by the platform. Mm. And, you know, that's kind of like, you know, a bit of a, a critical take of Instagram. And I do think... Instagram kind of, you know, is so much a part of our, you know, real life. What were you saying the other night about like the platform in real life? I, well, what I was saying is uh, I was having a, a conversation with um, a friend of mine, Glenn, um, and we were talking about uh, how artists kind of, uh, I mean, you know, like he and I, and, and I'm sure you, Aiden, have this too, like every, you know, every six months, like if you're, if you feel like, you know, you're doing art work every six months or so, you're like, what am I doing this for? And like, why am I here kind of thing? And I, I said to him, um, I think uh, Instagram in particular has just been like troubling for a lot of artists because people begin to mistake content for reality when like yeah. reality yeah. is itself and it's one thing and like yes you can you can make photos and art in reality like that's fine but then but you know what i was saying was but then there is content right like it's you know it's sort of so often like given all this weight like as if it weighs something like kilograms mm. you know mm. but but it's nothing it's you know it, content is is vanishing and like whatever yeah, you know for sure I'm going to stop you right there because I want to I want to keep the rest of this for like a juicy future all Instagram episode. I think that would be really fun yeah. to just play with like all the ramifications and realities and uh, unrealities of, of Instagram. 
Yeah, yeah, we'll save that for a later episode. <laughs> All right, cool. So the way he kind of progresses in this essay, he talks about, you know, a few artists that are using like the very kind of concept of abundance or overwhelm as their sort of medium. But like mm. you alluded to, like things have moved so quickly that that take has kind of dried up like mm. six years later. So mm. we're kind of going to skip past that and I'm going to read a chunk from the end of his essay that I thought uh, sat really well with me. Mm. There was a time where I was really into, like I was writing a food newsletter and I had an Instagram of like food stuff. Mm. And he talks about, um, again, this relationship between, you know, documentation and, you know, something more than documentation. Uh, here he's talking about like photo photographs of like really everyday things. Uh, he says, a plate of food with its four or five items of varying texture corralled into a circle is similar to countless other plates of food. But a book full of photograph meals, meals long consumed and forgotten, is poking gentle fun at our obsessive documentation of the quotidian. And he kind of goes along down that line of thinking, saying things that would have like you would never never have like thought about them twice are just like automatically, almost automatically captured now. And then he mm. ends on this kind of like sweet moment, like it's kind of that that almost makes it sound like it's cheapened the value of photography. Like we're mm. just you know it's it's part of this kind of consumptive capitalist brain where we must mm. document and capture and cling to, and mm. of course with food or any other kind of item in that documentation mode, there's you know status and signaling kind of. Uh, mm. tethered to the image mm -hmm. but he kind of concludes with cheap photography makes visible the ways in which we are similar and have for a long time been similar now we have proof yeah. again and again and again <laughs> ah. yeah it's cool yeah i think like um <clears throat> that's like that's the the beautiful thing to me about like how how easy it is to get into and like yeah th like i think i should i don't know if i need to say this but like you know i i I, I'm interested in like art photography and like I'm interested in being an artful photographer, but I'm not really putting them in two different buckets. Like it just feels mm. like a sliding scale and like, you know, and, and any photo, any image is ripe for that kind of experience to just like come, come forth from for sure. Definitely. Although I would make one point on that is that I think that that is true for you and that may be true for you, but it almost like, I kind of disagree. Tell me. When I see your photos that you would like to, like as, as an artist call, oh, this is like just documentation. This is just capturing. When I see those images, like I can see how they've been like tinged and framed with mm. the mm. artfulness. Uh, almost always, like you can't, you can't actually help it at this point. That is um, true, yeah. And yeah. so I am not really comfortable saying that you are capable of doing the type of documentation mm. that is, you know, you're not really capable anymore of taking like a genuinely um, agnostic photograph. Mm. Yeah, you got me there. You totally got me there. I mean, it would be too much rewiring to undo all that <laughs> stuff that I've like it would have to, or whatever. <laughs> yeah, it would have to be like a photo of a receipt or like a photo of a package that you've dropped off for work. Like, sure, yeah. Oh, like man. Maybe yeah. you could make that more yeah. agnostic, but probably not, yeah. you fucking dummy. You'd probably Dude, like think about the lighting. Project. <laughs> I've actually got a bit of a side project going on. Yeah, like, I bet. No kidding. It's, um, this is my work, okay? No one's yeah. ever going to see this artwork. But okay. for, as, as part of the... Um, um, as part of the like job I do, I have to like get a delivery confirmation. So I got to take a picture of the 
uh, package course. like on someone's doorstep mm-hmm. um, and they all go into an app right like so I think they're the only case in which someone would actually look at the photo <laughs> do you know what we have to ask one of the customers maybe like it's like your food's here and then they get it sent to their phone but like uh, like pretty much unwaveringly unwaveringly <laughs> I try and make them as arty as possible <laughs> dude I fucking knew it I fucking knew it <laughs> Do you I've see been doing that? this for two months now. Do you see that, listeners? I fucking unfurled <laughs> his web of bullshit and I showed you all who he really is. Uh, Artist of the Week is Kai Wasikowski. Um, I thought it'd be cool to pick a person who's doing uh, a lot of photo work uh, for this episode, obviously, just to like kind of underscore uh, some of the like ways of seeing uh, that we've talked about. Um, a lot of Kai's work has to do with nature, um, like depictions of nature and and like themes in nature. The work that I chose this week um, is Garden Number One from 2019. Um, which is, I'm looking at, um, a picture of, uh, his mates like Harrison and Seb holding it up on Instagram. And it's about like the size of someone's torso. Uh, and it's, uh, I think it's him in the, in the image, uh, squatting in front of a big, like, uh, viewing camera, like a big old school, large format camera in front of like a, a black and white backdrop, um, and like surrounded by, uh, stones, leaves uh like you know like dirt and rocks and stuff like that um i think this this photo has got this really like compelling like intense texture to it so it's like it's like the artist taking a photo in the photo um and it's just surrounded by this like sort of like i want to say gritty like grainy texture like because Mm. it's black and white the texture feels all the more um like intense i think if there Mm. were colors to kind of separate out like maybe the leaves are green and the rocks are brown Mm. or whatever like it would feel in air quotes easier to look at um but i I, something about what i was saying earlier sort of fits well with this photo is that like i was talking about you know um it's got the kind of like the, the two things right it's got the like pose of this photographer in the picture like that pulls you pulls you in immediately you recognize human form but then around that like surrounded by that almost like um conquered by that is this like endlessly complex texture which is just kind of like um circling and like ensnaring this photographer i think i can see like a like a black net somewhere on the ground as well that's like Mm. oh maybe it's not a net maybe it's a plant but yeah just something about the confusion of it and like i don't know it's just kind of got this like at once this singularity and this confusion um yeah really cool photo (laughs) there's also like for me a sense of humor like there's like a backdrop right there's like yes a natural setting is there a backdrop and a natural setting or is just two backdrops uh, it's hard to say. It looks like there's a backdrop and like a natural um, setting. Like it looks right. like real leaves at the top and around. Right. And then like, you know, the artist is, or the photographer is, is standing in front of like a photo yeah, of the yeah. same or similar nature that's kind of right, slightly right. disordered with yeah. the, the frame around it, which to me gives it a kind of like absurd humor. Yeah, and one thing yeah. that I noticed that you didn't mention is that the artist is like shirtless, but wearing like camo. So there's a, his camo jacket is like wrapped around the head of the camera (laughs) in like some kind of old school. I'm guessing that has a technical function. And he's also got like a, 
uh, camo pants tucked into socks and then camo Crocs. Yeah. Which is (laughs) like at once this like, you know, camo with its associations and it's, and it's kind of like, you know, the way it's blending into Mm. the uh, scene, Mm. like just purely compositionally, but then Mm. also playing with that sense of like, you know, the, the, the backdrop as camouflage and the outfit as camouflage. And then also like the contemporary memeability of camo and Crocs. Yeah. Uh, And he's kind of perched on this little stone, almost there's like a bit of like a chaplain energy in the way that Mm. he's, uh, he's on, he's on a like tiny little stool, like a camping stool. You know, one of the things that like landscape photographers have to do is like, yeah, they've got to hike to all these places, often with like really heavy gear, like this camera. I don't know where this, where this was taken. Like maybe, you know, maybe it was like up in a fucking mountaintop rainforest. We should ask and, and get some more info. But yeah, like I love the stool. It's like, you got to sit and wait for your photo to come <laughs> around. Like you yeah. found the composition, but like the light's not going to be right until maybe tomorrow morning. I don't know. You know, like yeah. I love that. Um, it kind of has this like uh, turn of the century, like poacher record photo. It's like, mm. it's like, it's almost like the kind of scene you would see someone holding up like a dead lion in Africa, like kind of thing. Like, Um, and like, I just, I think it's fun how like, you know, I I know this, I've met this person like, and like, you know, he's, he doesn't, he doesn't give me poacher vibes, but like, (laughs) it's just fun. That kind of like incongruous like association Mm. and like, Mm -hmm. yeah. It's funny. It almost with that backdrop and the prominence of that backdrop, it's interesting that these are the photographs we've chosen, which are both like what I would call like, you know, experimental photography in a sense. Mm. Mm. And that's kind of like what we've latched onto and, I don't know, it, it, it could be a reach and it probably is given how little I know about photography. But but I'm comfortable at least saying that points to a feeling like, uh, you know, in contemporary photography where, you know, uh, it's common to uh, for an artist to desire to expand, you mm. know, the frame and, mm. and so on. But I'm sure, like, I, I know that going back through history, there's all sorts of um, references and versions to stuff like this, like, you know, yep, photos sure, of photographers sure. and so on. Yeah, sure. And it is a super, like, rich history. And, you know, we've only touched, like, a, a tiny portion of a tiny portion of it here. I think, you know, we've still uncovered some cool stuff. and I And I hope that, you know, we've kind of been able to talk about some things that make... Um, seeing photos easier and more fun for for you. Yeah, cool. And uh, just to uh, close out this episode, Aiden has a, a little bit of a art-related Facebook Marketplace story. Oh my God, dude, this is so fucking annoying. I literally bought this easel like seven years ago when I was doing <laughs> dr- drawing lessons. I didn't expect King- this emotional response to my problem. Yeah, go on. Do- doing uh, drawing lessons on King Street. And How then, long ago? Uh, it's like seven years ago or something, something like that, or maybe five in oh that God. ballpark. I, yeah. I don't, can't be bothered to work it out, but in that range. Long enough to taking, find out that it's not the artwork, the art form for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, it was cool and like whatever, but it was like at Art on King. It probably wasn't mm. the best space. It was like technical drawing class. Mm. It was mm. chill. I liked it. Um, but yeah, I, I found this like old easel like in the back of my dad's cupboard and I was like I want to sell it like I'm sure it's worth like 50 bucks Hmm. so I put it on marketplace for like 100 bucks I like cleaned Hmm. it up and took nice photos and like no one was biting so I dropped it to 60 Mm -hmm. and since then I've had a lot of bites but Hmm. like every single bite has turned out to be like a a snag of seaweed so (laughs) I so what are we saying this means about let me just tell you like 
the fucking names I have. Like I sent you a picture today. So we have like no, literally- I, no fully identifying names, please. <laughs> no, no, of course not. But we have like Janelle, India, Lucia, Louise, Ketayun, Giuseppe, Mimi, Zoe. And in the screenshot, you can see that I've like responded to all of them. And everyone gets to the same point. Everyone asks me, is it available? I say, yes. And then they say, okay, where do you live? And I say where I live. And then they either ghost me or- and I, there's a couple of people who I think are probably quite old. After getting my location, they say no thanks. And I'm like, bro, I don't, I don't need like a no or a no thanks. I don't know how marketplace works, but that feels like they're trying to like take a shot at me. But anyway, I think like I'm coming from a, a place of like a bit of malice because I really just wanted the 60 bucks. Mm. And so my take is that it speaks to, you know, this endless desire to get into artistic hobbies, especially mm. during lockdown, you know, it's mm. like, oh, I would love to be a painter or I would love mm. to be a musician. Yeah. And these things just get, you know, quickly cast aside, just like it did for me, you know, I mm. bought it yeah. with great aspirations and it sits and yeah. I guess it is what it is. I mean, it's it's a little bit sad and I guess it's 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 nice, I think, even the gesture, like even if you don't end up buying the thing, I feel like it's a... a Still, I'm still like proud of them for having the thought that they might want to paint. <laughs> cool. You yeah, know? that's cool. That's very yeah. uh, charitable reading of you. Yep. <laughs> yes. Cool. Um, so thanks for that. Uh, <laughs> thanks for your story. That wraps up another episode of Hung Up. Uh, my name's Matt. I'm Aiden. That was really fun, man. Um, I'll see you later. You can check us out on Instagram at hungup.au and don't forget to hit subscribe on whatever app you're listening to this on so that you can hear the next episode.